I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Smackdown, but also Raw, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, joined by Sidgwick, though, Hamfler, unfortunately, off work today uh, to review Friday Night Smackdown. What did you make of the best wrestling show of the week? Oh, man, I hate this. I hate this gimmick. Uh, do you know what I made of it? I can't stand the idea that we must be positive. Ooh, don't like Amy's do negative. But what if it's crap? <laughs> what if it's just... Boring crap or like a good version of a boring match or what if there's something on the show that is so pitifully poorly written that it's laughable and it's rubbish, which is which will I'll gladly get into why. I'll be like, you should be positive. Like more people should be positive. Don't be negative. Be positive. I'll kill you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of be arsed with that mentality. And a lot of people say, oh, you should recognize all oh, that's good about WWE. And but there's very little mm. on this episode that was good. A lot of it was actively rubbish. There's one great bit yeah. ruined by terrible camera work. I can't even remember who was drafted. There's no sense of ceremony. Like, Charlotte, I remember. I honestly can't remember who was drafted. It's such a drab way of doing it. Um, oh, crap, I thought this was rubbish. It was a bit all over the place, I'll admit, this show. There were some high moments for me. Uh, the draft always weirdly fascinates me, especially now with this weird version where you draft, but they're from a pool of people who are technically not assigned to a show, and then you can draft to your own show, even if they're already there, and then you have to remember that some people aren't in the draft pool. People are getting annoyed why Becky Lynch hadn't been drafted yet, and she had to remind everyone subsequently that... No, she's in the other pool for the because they have to stretch it across both shows because it might pop a rating and what have you. Look, elements of this show were enjoyable and elements were downright crap, and we will get into it in due course. Let's start at the beginning of the show. We get introduced by Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, uh, who reveal that the draft picks won't come into force until the day after Crown Jewel because we need more admin for this. Well, yes. My good feeling is, which one was it? Was it 2019? There was one where they just did it and thought, oh, buyer's remorse, mm-hmm. and just swapped loads of people around. This will be a test of this draft. Like, the best thing is, it's like, not only is it a stupid idea, right, to do this before Survivor Series, because there's no 
credibility behind the two rosters, building up a sense of brand pride because it's literally the month before. Someone's going to be in a blue T-shirt who had been on Raw and he's going to suddenly hate Raw. I mean, he's probably, or they were probably horrendously booked <laughs> on Raw, so they've probably got a good reason, but there's no reason for them to be magically like loyal to the SmackDown brand. The positioning of this is... It's less than a month. It goes down November 21st, Survivor Series. That's literally it? less than a month after the coming into effect because Crown Jewel's on the... 20, uh, 21st. It's also the 22nd. They kick, kick in. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It's less than a month for the brand loyalty thing, which is ridiculous in itself. It's like someone, just using another analogy, it's like someone who's played for Liverpool their entire life and they move across the city scoring the derby for Everton and kiss the badge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's class. Another thing before we move on to the actual show itself. The last time that WWE decided, right, we've got a Raw to promote here. Let's do three matches to hype in advance. Like one of them happened. I genuinely think, and I'll hold my hands up if I'm wrong and say that's too cynical because there is a limit to cynicism. I will hold my hand up and say, right, I was too cynical. But the fact that they are holding themselves to something that's going to happen in, what, three weeks at this point? Yeah. They'll get bored of this. They'll get bored of what the rosters look like, and, they'll, and they won't like the idea that they've had to do it. I, I think they'll muck this up. And okay, I think it'll be funny. I would not be surprised. I've got some bad news for you. I'm not sure if you've seen the subsequent drafts on uh, Talking Smack. Have you seen these? No, I didn't pay attention to Talking Smack. So... Like 19 people have transferred shows. So Alpha Academy have gone to Monday Night Raw. That's probably for the best. Um, Drew Gulak's gone to SmackDown, which might be all right, because then he's potentially away from 24-7 bollocks, for example. Mustafa Ali and Mansoor both drafted to SmackDown, but there's been a breakup of a tag team. Are you, are you sitting down? You know I am. Yes. No longer will we see the team of... Mace and T-Bar, because they've been separated. <laughs> Have they? Yeah, Mace is on SmackDown, T-Bar's on Raw. Ah, uh, man. I remember T-Bar's tweet. I'm going to do my best. T-Bar slash SpongeBob. <laughs> you doing the ar- He's doing the arms. I thought Raw didn't have a tag team division. It's like, well, you're not in it anymore, so that tweet aged well. I knew it was going to age horrendously in several different ways. This is the funniest. But you can still potentially form a team with, I don't know, Kira Tozawa, who's still on Raw. So. Oh, you could just go with Caitlin. There you go. Anyway, let's get to the first round of the draft pick. And, yeah, good picks all round, to be perfectly honest. Uh, SmackDown obviously picks Roman Reigns. Raw picks Big E. SmackDown picks Charlotte, who's the Raw Women's Champion and, and then, wasn't dealt with. And then SmackDown. If you're Raw and you're not an in, incompetent, wouldn't you go out? We love Becky then. Well, she's not in the picks there, though. So potentially she could, but that's tonight because the... See, this is what I'm talking about. Raw pick Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is going to Monday Night Raw. She could be great, to be fair. Cool. I I just hate it all. It is weird. Like, tonight's going to make a lot more sense because, like you say... Is it? You've just said Raw (laughs) is going to make a lot more sense. Let me caveat that. And what I mean by that is, now I know who's been drafted, presumably... Everyone else is fair game for the draft tonight. So, if you get the first pick and you don't, if you go uh, Friday Night SmackDown, select, uh, I don't know, Liv Morgan, you go, why wouldn't you pick Bian- uh, Why wouldn't you pick Becky Lynch or something like that? But well, it's flawed then. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it's, that's a it's given. very flawed. It's not fair. 
just a but mess. Part of this is on me for not paying attention because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's right. not that stupid. It's more confusing than it needs to be, but possibly well, if you listened like I should have, it's not that daft. There is one thing, here's a tease for later on, there is one thing hooking me into tonight's show, in particular related to the draft, that I've I've never looked forward to a draft more as a potential result of a draft pick. We'll get to that in due course. Because Roman Reigns obviously comes out to start the show. He's flanked uh, by Paul Heyman, and they do the whole recap of the ropes breaking, and Finn Balor, Extreme Rules, The Demon, etc., and as we suggested on the preview, that was it. That was it in terms of dealing with what happens with the, the demon next. So there was no sort of person who'd fiddled with the ropes, nope. with the eye on the demon to have a fight with for whatever reason. It was just the can't build a ring. What a shoddy wrestling promotion. The can't build a ring. Like people don't think about this enough. Like this company has told you, ah, I can't even build a ring. What a. We can't, hour we can't build a ring and we can't book a TV show. That's on us. Yeah. Like, see you next week. <laughs> we literally cannot build a ring that is fit for purpose. Good wrestling promotion. Like, these people are so stupid to do it. And there are even stupider people who don't see this as a thing to criticize them with. Anyway, huge reaction, of course, for Roman Reigns. He talks about being... We the ones, being number one, and he demanded... And to say that we run New York City, because that aged well. Demanded that Baltimore uh, acknowledge him this time. Um, Paul Heyman gets on the mic and he says that Reigns at Extreme Rules performed an exorcism and now he's moving on to Crown Jewel, which will not be taking place in Suplex City. That's be because Brock Lesnar will be running into the Suplex Assist. Thoughts? Uh, That's <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> and he's going to be smashed. Brock Lesnar's music hits as Paul Heyman is saying Did they this. actually mention Saudi Arabia? They said Crown Jewel. They didn't say Saudi I Arabia. I love that. Like, don't specify where it isn't happening if you are unwilling to specify where it is. I loved this bet that me and Cleary had once. I think we were covering one of the... The crown, Berserker! One of the Crown Jewels, right? And he said, I'll bet... I can't remember whether he said, I'll bet they don't say Saudi Arabia, or I bet they don't even say where they are. I think they said, we're in Riyadh, and that was it. And I, because I'd said, of course they're not going to, this was one of the first ones. And I was like, what are you on about? They have to say, here we are in Saudi Arabia. They're there to promote Saudi Arabia. And they just went, we're here in Riyadh, and this country sure is great. Well, they did the propaganda for the first show. Yes. And then Khashoggi got murdered and dissolved, so they couldn't really do it anymore. You see <laughs> so they just go, went... We're in Riyadh, and we all know where Riyadh is. Just look at a map. I don't need to tell you where it is. Uh, anyway, so Lesnar comes out to a huge reaction. Uh, goes face-to-face with Reigns. Electric atmosphere. There's a suplex city chant, and Reigns throws the first punch. He attacks Lesnar, beats him down, and then Lesnar pops up, gives Reigns two German suplexes. Reigns slides out the ring. The Usos run in to try and make the save, but Lesnar batters them, um, and... As Reigns is on the ramp, recovering and staring down Lesnar, Lesnar insists, come on, get back in the ring. He takes off his shirt, just huge. And uh, Reigns tees getting back in, then decides better of it. Lesnar picks up Jimmy Uso, F5, picks up Jey Uso. Reigns goes, well, you better not. And he gets an F5 as well. Brilliant feud between these two. Yeah, it's awesome. I just wish I could watch it without feeling sick. Legitimately, their physical chemistry has always been awesome, dating back to WrestleMania 31. They tried to get way too cute with it in their subsequent matches where it was just 
kind of repetitive and can Roman overcome and the psychology does not work whatsoever when fans do not want him to overcome. So the matches between Reigns and Lesnar subsequently got more and more drab. But WrestleMania 31 might be one of my favourite WWE matches ever. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm getting a little glimpse of this chemistry again. Wonderful. Uh, the camera work here is just, it's too appalling. I can't handle it, man. I really can't. Well, what's the point? I watch this on double speed, so I'm used to like quick cuts, but my word. Well, what, why do they do it? Uh, the thing is, though, I can understand some of their more harebrained philosophies and values as a company. Like, I genuinely can, right? The reason why they stretch out matches to three or four pay per views um, is because it doesn't require that much thought. The audience doesn't seem to care that they're getting fed, like just regurgitated stuff, and it makes their lives easier. They've got a thing that they do, and it dates back to the WWWF. They still do it. It's fine. It's not fine. It's rubbish, but you know, <laughs> a lot of people don't care. DQ, DQ, weird non-finish, and then you get your conclusion at the third or fourth pay-per-view. I get it. Laziness is easy. Trust me, I've had periods of my life where <laughs> I've been very lazy and I've enjoyed it. I can understand the rationale for some of the worst things they do. I legitimately don't have a... I get it to a degree. They wanted to make it look chaotic, but it just looks like ass. Mm. And it makes me feel sick. And it ruins the few things on the show that are actually good. Yeah. I watch MMA fights quite regularly. They look more than chaotic enough with two camera cuts, let's say. I just every strike, I just... Oh, I mean, we're going over old ground here, but yeah, it's... It's just unwatchable at parts. Yeah, uh, if you imagine what it would have looked like live, great. Yes, exactly. It looked yeah. like genuine scrap. It looked like super dramatic. The bumps that Roman took were wild. Yeah, bring the match on. Still still confident he's going to get squashed. I think he's going to get squashed. I think he's going to get beaten. Uh, you know what? No, screw it. I'll be cynical. cynical. Get. He's going to get squashed. Good. At the Crown Jewel, that famous city. Right, backstage. Hi, Kayla! Uh, she's chatting to uh, the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, who's now on SmackDown. I audibly said when this happened, by the way, I went, if they do that belt swap, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> and Louise went, we shouldn't care about that that much. I was like, no, it's not right. It's not having it. Uh, anyway, uh, Braxton asks uh, Flair about her strategy and how that's going to change on SmackDown, and she just completely ignores the question. Talks about being the first overall pick for the women in the draft, uh, but she says she isn't surprised that she was brought over to SmackDown because Fox knows star power when they see it. Next up, we are introduced to Happy Corbin and his new mate, not Riddick <laughs> Moss. He's not called Riddick Moss because he's got suspenders, Michael Sidgwick. This... He's mad cap mass. And he's, you know what he loves to do? He loves to tell jokes. Joke, joke, joke. This is pathetic. Mad. Why do they laugh all the time? Like, laugh when something happens. But there was like a bit in the match where he just like tripped Kevin Owens. And he was like, this is the funniest thing that's literally ever happened. I'm mental, me. <laughs> God, honestly, whenever someone in the office, in the old office, my admin job is to say something that affecting, it's not a cliche, people do genuinely say this. Yeah, I'm mad, me. I, I just want to throw the back elbow right in their teeth. Right in their teeth. Yeah, I'm mad, me. Madcap Moss, which, in the grand scheme of things... I'm madcap Moss, me. Isn't that bad. I mean, it is. It's awful. What are you talking about? I know, but you got to, it's grading on the worst curve ever. I mean... Could be worse. You could be brown, bro. 
yeah, but at least Braun Breaker rules. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about Mad, uh, Mad Cat Moss. Like, you, you go through the rundown. I'll tell you in a one-word review what this match was. But Mad Cat Moss on the outside, like, he could not resonate more like a guy who's been instructed to play a role. Like, he's not convincing. It's a stupid gimmick. It's hard to make it convincing. Like, he's just chewing scenery all day yeah. long. What an absolute waste of rubbish time this was. So Kevin Owens jumps uh, Corbin early on, beats him down, uh, and then he's on the apron, though, and this is when Madcap Moss yanks him off the apron and dies of laughter. When we come back from the break, Owens fighting back, hits Corbin with an Insiguri, hits him with a Tornado DDT, gets a near fall, then Corbin counters the stunner, gets a roll-up, uh, two count off the back of that. But uh, as Owens is fighting back, Corbin hits the deep six for another near fall. He goes to do that thing where he slides out the ring, runs around the, the ring post, and then gets hits a clothesline. But Corbin just nails him with a super kick. Cannonball in the corner. Corbin rolls to the outside, and as they're fighting out there, Moss sort of distracts Owens. That allows Corbin to hit the end of days on the outside. <laughs> or as Cole points out, maybe we should call it the happy days. That's a good topical reference there from WWE. And uh, he hits the end of days again in the ring. One, two, three. And it's the funniest result ever for these two post-match. Yeah, it's an absolute stitch. Um, yeah, the Mad Cat Moss sucks. This match was just there. It feels like phase one of a long old write-off for Kevin Owens. He tweeted or retweeted or liked a tweet that said, oh, you know, because someone tweeted, Kevin... Owens looks more and more miserable by the week. Someone quote tweeted that saying, you know, if you invent a narrative, you can fuel it with every sort of opinion. Kevin Owens started this by putting the coordinates to Mount Rushmore as his thing. So, you, like, come on, don't don't mug me off. Like, mm. you don't look like you're happy to be there at all. Um, your work hasn't been particularly great. I welcome a switch to AEW, but, like, don't play that game. That pissed me off a little bit on Twitter. But Twitter's by the by. The match itself... Which is there. It felt thoroughly one-sided. Baron Corbin, right? He once tweeted the Team America vomit gif after some kind of spot, spot, dive, 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 whatever. When it was a four-way match on Bash at the Beach, January 2020, between best friends Santana and Ortiz, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page, where he kept saying, "Oh, they're not trying to win. They're making wrong decisions. Therefore, the match is bad, even if it's really exciting." You missed the whole story of the match between the Bucks and Kenny Omega, but that's by uh, and Hangman Page, but that's by the <laughs> by. Every single match, every single match, Baron, King, Happy Corbin, whatever, will run out the ring, run mm -hmm. back in, and then get counted. It's like, you stupid idiot. What a moron. Stop doing that. I remember when he did it first, and I was like, oh, that's a really inventive thing, where his opponent would throw him into what he thought was the corner, and he'd slide out, slide back in, and they'd turn around and be like, bloody hell, what are you doing here? But now everyone knows that he's going to do that, and they just wait for him. And he's very much a fed-pilled stand-up for WWE guy who will say, like, the other wrestling doesn't make sense, and we know what we're doing here. It's like, mate, you got trained off build, build a mod. <laughs> and, like, you're an idiot. So I just hate everything. Uh, they announced that the King and Queen of the Ring crown tournament thing start next week on the season premiere of SmackDown. I still don't understand how they can have a season premiere when the show never ends, but still. No, I mean, that's just their weirdness, isn't it? I'm up for a, two tournaments at once, matches with actual ramifications. And I'm up for seeing how they do Queen of the Rings final at the Crown Jewel place thing. What could possibly go wrong there? Oh, God, I don't know. 
Uh, anyway, round two of the draft. SmackDown picks Drew McIntyre. So he moves to the blue brand. Uh, Raw sticks with RK Uh SmackDown picks Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Why don't they, why don't they just pick the whole New Day? Doesn't matter. Uh, and Raw selects the grittiest of all the wrestlers, Edge. We called this, oh, didn't we? God, unfortunately, yes. I knew we were going to get one of Edge or Rollins. It's just the way these things yeah. work. And the men who cut the longest feeling promos of all time, <laughs> one of them is going on the three-hour show. Oh, my God, I cannot be bothered. I, I'm and hopeful for this. Purely because I would love to see heel edge versus face Big E. That'd be awesome. That'd be good. Yeah, the promos are going to be. It's going to be a long old slog. That. Uh, Off the back of this. Yes, I'm going to be in a good mood for this, guys. Off well, off the back of this, Drew McIntyre very quickly gets interviewed, uh, and he talks about being the chosen one when he was on SmackDown all those years ago. Remember when he was crap? Let's remind everyone of that yet again. Uh, but he says he's got un- unfinished business. There's a cloud hanging over SmackDown. It's time for McIntyre to break it up. And he points Angela the sword and uh, intimates that he wants the universal title. Another big, big match for SmackDown, that. Big, big matches, because you're going to see it four times well, at yes. least. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. To Edge. He comes out, <sighs> yes. gets a huge... Uh, I wish I could... You've never pulled that face before when talking about Aurora or SmackDown. You're so giddy with excitement here. He comes out, he gets a huge reaction, gets on the mic eventually after recapping the uh, next earth. Uh he says, look, I was the only person in the draft. I, I am the only person in the draft who was on the first ever episode of SmackDown. He says he's excited to go to Raw. It's a new challenge for him. Then he turns his attention to Rollins. He talks about recovering, but getting back to 100%. And now he still wants to face him. He demands Seth Rollins comes to the ring. Now he's finally here. Come on down. Seth Rollins appears on the big screen. And he's next to a mystery house. Uh, he says, look, Edge, you're still not saying what well, I want to hit. You're not saying that you're going to be retiring. You're not saying I'm not Edge-like, et cetera, et cetera. And then it pans out to reveal a Copeland's sign. He's at Edge's house. There he is. He talks about the fact that you're there and look where I am. I'm here. Uh, Edge jumps out the rings, runs to the back. For a split second, I thought, where are you going? It made sense that he was trying to make a phone call, stuff, but a split second I thought, you're not trying to run home now, are you? Anyway, uh, Rollins is in his element here. He walks, the, the door's unlocked. He walks in, he calls for Beth Phoenix. Uh, he has a little wander around, lovely kitchen. Oh, very nice setup for the Copelands. Uh, he gets some OJ, has a little sip of that, gets an apple, uh, sits down, puts his feet on the table, takes the piss out of the kids' drawings, says, they're terrible. <laughs> That tickled me, I'll say that. He uh, goes into the living room, I suppose, gets the fireplace going, he sits down, he says he could stay here all night. And then we cut to Edge, who's on the phone to Beth Phoenix. He says, don't go home, go and get your brothers. You know, Rollins is at the house, he's called Daniel and Dave. Uh, they're on their way to the house. Pat McAfee popped me here as well. He said, should probably call the police, not Daniel and Dave, but still... Uh, and he also said Rollins is committing the most casual B&E he's ever seen. But what about the groceries, Sidgwick? What's going to happen with the groceries? That was my favourite bit. Don't don't worry about the groceries. Just don't go home. There's a man in our house. Um, you've been excited to talk about this all day. The floor is yours. I mean, people say this show's good. People say this show... People tell me... People insist to me. People are actually like knobs about it in some, in some circles. That this show is good. Are you joking me? 
This is pathetic. This type of writing, and I'm telling you, wrestling, WWE, exists in this weird bubble outside of everything that's got standards because it's got an inbuilt audience and it's confused with a sports property, even though it literally, on the Nielsen rating system, designates itself as entertainment. And yet, because it's legitimately, factually DVR-proof, um, like the one thing that Vince McMahon has ever done is say, we're not sports, pal. We make movies, we tell stories. And he's the ultimate beneficiary of his own bollocks because the TV industry and his fans just say, well, no, it's not wrestling. Don't be an idiot. He should be thankful that the one thing he's tried to do in his life has been a monumental failure because somehow this stuff gets on television. I've been told the show is good, right? Wilborn, like, what does your house look like? I've been, it's very nice. Thank you. What does it look like on the outside? Uh, it's got a lovely little sign. It's got some steps leading up to it. Got a bit of bird crap that, <laughs> that I always keep meaning to clean off. But I, I think the point that you're angling at here is if you were stood relatively close to my house, I could pick it out of a lineup. Yes. Until we saw that Copeland sign, though, Ed just thinking, Seth, where are you, pal? That doesn't look like the outside of this arena. So I live in a nice little cul-de-sac. Um, not all of the houses in it are the same. There's different price points, mm -hmm. you know. If someone stood outside of my house, and again, there is a house next to it that looks identical to it, I would think, that's my house. <laughs> like, even though, how many different houses are in this cul-de-sac? Estate, if you like. There's the five beds, which, you know, one day soon, I've got hey. my eye on one of them. The four bed, which is more realistic. And then there's mine. It's like, well, it's about what, 50 similar houses. I'm thinking, if it's my nemesis, right, the guy who's previously threatened to come to my house has inexplicably dragged the cameraman outside it and started taunting me, I'd think, right, he's outside my house. You know why I know that? Because that's my house. It's what's more likely, right, that... My nemesis has decided to taunt me and go to a different house in the cul-de-sac that looks like mine. It's not even my car. It's not oh, even my house. It's not even my house. <laughs> What's more likely? Either. And he's, yeah, like you say, he's threatened to do this in the past if you didn't show up tonight. Yeah. My instinct would be that semi-detached property is mine, right? I know this instantly. You know why? Because I walk into it every day. I walk out of it every day. And if Edge is traveling more than he is, he's probably still been there enough times. He's bought it. He's lived there. He's painted it on the outside. It's a distinctive looking house as well. Like, you and I live in houses that have just been built and then they look that way. That's, a, I mean, look at what the inside is. It's, it's a fancy a, house. It's you, a custom built house. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. With a distinct look about it because he's built it or had it built for his specifications. For those who didn't see SmackDown, right, Seth Rollins has stood outside of a private property in the woods, which itself narrows down something that doesn't need to be narrowed down. It's obviously its house. He's the nemesis. He said it's going to be there. There's two, like, vertical wooden panels that are visible in shot, throughout which time Edge is just looking gormless, like, where, where, where's he? Mm. Where's where he? And during which time 
Seth's just talking at him. One of them's painted red. The other one was painted green. Right? I don't live in a Christmas cabin like Edge. <laughs> right? I don't know how many Christmas cabins there are. It looks like a very Christmassy cabin from the outside with a red and green panel. It's obviously a fucking house. You stupid. Like, you know what I mean? And then it pans to and it says, what does it say? The Copeland's? I think it said the Copeland. All oh, right, that's my house, is it? <laughs> the only way this would have been better is if he'd have gone, I'm not there, Edge. I'm somewhere else. And as he goes, I'm going to try the door. The door's open because, of course, it is for storyline purposes. And Edge would just go, sorry, one second, Seth. My ring doorbell's just gone off. One second. Wait, that's you! Just preposterous. However, I do love a good home invasion. I mean, it's better to be threatening. Oh, no, there's a guy who's been really quite annoying and taking a lot of words to say very little in my house. Uh, I did like the fact they just was never visited again. They just went, well, he's invaded the house. And then they moved on with the show, and you think that they may come back to it. There is a potential crime scene unfolding. If, in fact, the implication is that Seth Rollins is going to, in some way, terrorize Beth Phoenix to try and get a rise out of Edge. Think about Randy Orton's poor fake wife, you know. yes. There's a literal crime scene unfolding. They've said it. Beginning. He's broken, entered into another man's property. That's a crime. If the cameraman is still there, and they've somehow got the facility to film at this man's crime scene house, this show's pathetic. Are you an accessory to a crime? If you're a cameraman following another man into a man's house? I don't know how that works, ultimately, but I do know what my house looks like, which is <laughs> enough. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's return to the action, sort of, because next it was Carmella versus Liv Morgan. Here's a match you haven't seen in whoa, days. Um, and the match didn't happen, actually. Morgan jumps Carmella immediately. She rolls to the outside. She grabs a mic. She's effing and jeffing at Liv Morgan. She's not happy with her. She said, I've given you enough chances. I'm going to put on a mask to protect this gorgeous, perfect face from you. And it's this silver thing. Silver. I thought they were just going to give her Seamus' old mask because he doesn't need it for a while now. She put it on, clearly just material, this, because she touched it and it folded. So that's, not, that's just silver material, basically. Puts a mask on, right? Francesca looks stupid, of course. Gets in the ring, attacks Morgan, gives her an X Factor, and then we move on with the draft. Where was the match? Okay. Was the okay. bell rang, but I don't think the bell rang again to signal the match had ended. But... Uh, but uh, who cares? Yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, let's talk about the mask briefly. It uh, looks stupid. That's the idea. You're meant to think, ah, she looks stupid. What, what, what am I meant to feel? I don't feel anything. You tell me what I'm meant to feel. I just... I, uh, yeah, I just don't care. Do you I, know, what, like, we, I'm we, baffled by what came next. You have the choice of picking from this... Let's just say from this selection, Right? In the next couple of round, rounds of the draft, pick Jeff Hardy. Now I know he's been a bit all over the place recently. It's Jeff Hardy. Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Right? Well, that was too bad. Keith Lee, former NXT champion, Keith Lee. Rio Ripley, and you get Nikki ASH into the bargain. SmackDown's first pick in the third round of the draft. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Just preposterous. You couldn't have put anyway. It's not preposterous. If you look, if you think about it, people like us, we don't really like his work that much. I know you love the gimmick, it's wrestling, it's wrestling. It's not very good. People refuse to like acknowledge how he is perceived internally as a star. They think of him as a big, big star. Like if you look at how many runs he's had, how much TV time he's eaten up, how many character developments this guy's had. Constable Cool. Constable King, Happy, General Manager, Acting General Manager. Um, Sad Tummy. Yeah, him. The feud with Seth Rollins. He's, cons- I'm surprised that they've not strapped him up yet. Yeah. Anyway, so they drafted them. Uh, Raw drafts Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. SmackDown drafts Hit Row from NXT, who I'm hopeful will do great things there if they're given the opportunity. And Raw drafts Keith Bearcat Lee. Intriguing, that, in terms of Hit Row moving to SmackDown so quickly. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see the the pace with which they're going to be ruined. I did like that news report I read over the weekend that said... Hit Row got to do a uh, unscripted promo. I was like, what? That's awesome. An unscripted promo. Where was that? Main event. So it's only no one watches. That's like saying, oh, you got to do an unscripted promo at home when no one saw it. That's not a sign of things to come. I mean, the cipher was pretty cool. Everything else from there has not really been great. So even if it's everyone's... Well, still, I understand uh, that. Vince wouldn't understand the cipher. There's no, no shot that that's happening on the main roster, is there? Yeah, no, no. They're completely screwed. 
Uh, right, we had Nate Man next. It was the New Day and the Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, the Doody Dogs. Uh, early on, Chad Gable reminded us why he should be like a first-round draft pick and given more fucking TV time. Four goes for a leapfrog. Gable grabs his leg, goes for an ankle lock. Picture perfect. Later on, it was a brilliant bit that I've, I think I'll get to. And yes, it was the... Yeah, I remember where that is. I'll get it to in, in a few minutes' time. Later on, Ford comes in, runs wild. Uh, sorry, breaks free, runs wild. Knocks the heels off the apron. Hoys Gable to the outside. Goes for a big dive. Otis catches him, drops him on the apron. Makes this weird noise and then flies him into the barricade. They're doing... Like... I think they could be a good. They could be a good uh, B level pay per view match for RK Bro, for example, before they split. It, it's a good little look at this horrible bastard who used to everyone used to adore, yes. and now we've just completely changed. Anyway, looks like he's fifty four years old. So this is the bit I really like. Ford goes for that springboard he does into the ring, and Chad Gable catches him. Northern Light suplexes him and gets a near fall. Why aren't you doing more with this clearly sensationally talented star? He's too much of a wrestler and he's too short. Come on. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, not fair enough, but that's an, an accurate assessment yes. of what WWE does. Uh, they isolate Ford, then they cut him off. Eventually, uh, Angelo Dawkins gets the hot tag. He runs wild, corkscrew elbow on Rude, suplex for Gable, uh, and then Ford does a big flip dive to take out Otis. Kofi Kingston jumps off the ring steps and hits Ziggler with a clothesline. Rude has got... Uh, Angelo Dawkins isolated. He hits a spine buster, uh, gets near fall, goes for the glorious DDT. Dawkins gets out of it, and he allows the New Day to tag in and hit that double-team combo footstop thing that they do uh, on Robert Roode for the one, two, three. Fun little 10-minute match that you'd probably expect to see on sort of a house show, but with some nice spots in there here. Yeah, I rather enjoyed this. I mean, as you've eloquently pointed out, Chad Cable, like, ruled in this match for how little he was in it. Um, it showcased the baby faces very well. Like, the thing about Ziggler and Rude, as boring as it is to watch them, as irrelevant as they kind of are, as much as we've seen them too often in meaningless matches that all bleed into one another on this TV show... They are very competent yeah. at making baby faces look great, and there was enough shine in this match for me to watch it with a bit of like this on my face. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a nice. I mean, I went. It was a nice. It was, a, it was what like three yeah. out of five. It was a nice sort of Saturday morning. You know what? I am ready to start the day. Thanks. Yes. Off the back of that fourth round of the draft, I loved Sonya Deville going, and the first draft pick in this round for SmackDown is Arthur. Naomi. I don't know what this feud is. But I'm kind of into it. And the way she just went, I'm not happy about this, but apparently we've got to have her on SmackDown. Who's, who's making the picks? Is it the TV networks? Uh, I, I think it's the two robots, if I'm not mistaken. Raw robot and yeah. Fox <laughs> robot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'll just do that. That would have made, made it a lot better. Uh, Raw selects the pairing, for now, of Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. So, who knows, tonight could be the night. We've always been saying it, that this is the night. That the turn's going to happen. Yay, Dad, we're on roll. Fucking electric chair on the stage, you old prick. Uh, Jeff Hardy's drafted to SmackDown because, yeah, just interchange. I think he gets drafted every draft off the top Everyone of my head. Everyone gets drafted every draft. No, but you know what I mean? Like, he just switch. They just go, do you want Jeff Hardy this 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 time? I will have Jeff Hardy. You have, you have Jeff Hardy. And they go like, oh, wow, he's back on Raw or SmackDown as, as it pertains it's to each so year. It's so arbitrary. And Raw selects another NXT superstar, Austin Theory. I think he's going to do great things on Monday Night Raw. He's got great potential, that lad. He'll get a push. Um, so, <laughs> someone's 
something on my notes here because I, I don't know when this has happened. But my notes now read, in the back, Caleb Brexton went to interview Jeff Hardy. I did write, but Brock Lesnar showed up. And someone's written, but Brock Lesnar showed his bum. As you can read there. <laughs> so thanks to Adam Cleary probably for that one. <laughs> what actually happens, before we get into some sort of lawsuit, Jeff Hardy's about to be interviewed about moving to SmackDown. Brock Lesnar just shows up and Jeff Hardy goes, yeah, I went, I remember all those years ago, I want no part of this. He goes away and Lesnar takes the microphone and cuts a little promo here. Very cheerful Brock Lesnar. He says, I want to thank my best friend, Paul Heyman, because he helped me become a free agent. And as a free agent, that means I can do whatever I want. He drops the mic, he winks down the camera, and he walks off. Before we get to the second half of this, which I adored, this was a, a, a nice different side to, to Brock Lesnar. I like mischievous Brock Lesnar. Big banter Brock has yeah. always been great, like the goddamn boombox. What was I going to call him? A great nickname for Brock Lesnar, but the worst thing is, like, uh, Brock Party? Yes. That was the one. There was something else I said as well. Uh, 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 this is good. Brock Lesnar being a mischievous bastard who knows he can kill you and just delights in the prospect of all of it. It's just great. Uh, and then this was the, this made me howl with laughter. We cut backstage and we slag off WWE's camera work a lot, understandably. This was Oscar-worthy. We pan from the Usos to a furious-looking Roman Reigns to Paul Heyman, who has his head in his hands. Like, oh, for sake. Pulls it away. It looks like he's been crying, and not the one where he didn't shave to slightly sell, I don't know, Finn Balor or whatever it was as an opponent to Brock Lesnar. Who cares? Anyway, <laughs> Paul Heyman knows he's in he's in the in the danger zone. Now I was going to swear. Then he's in the danger zone. Roman Reigns clearly pissed off from seeing Brock saying, "I'm a free agent. I don't have to be drafted. I can do whatever I like." Wink. Roman goes, "Are we good friends, Paul? Because if we are good friends, I'm going to need you to go to Monday Night Raw." Make sure my cousins stay on SmackDown in this draft. Heyman, uh, 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 it's a strategy. This there's, there's negotiations. Is that I'm your I'm your I'm your wise man, Tribal Chief, and it's the it's the mafia esque snap from Roman Reigns here. He goes, <laughs> wise man, is it? You're only the wise man when I say you're the wise man. Oh, God, it's brilliantly terrifying. Mark me down a scared and horny right now. That's what happens. Uh, he mocks the idea of sticking to this plan. He says, you go to Raw. You make sure they stay on SmackDown. And Heyman, absolutely my travel chief, runs off. And Reigns, this is what I was talking about earlier. Reigns says to the Usos, I want you to go to Raw too. Make sure, it's get, make sure this gets done. Because if not, if Paul Heyman fails... Leave him for dead. I mean, they're getting one character right, but my God, are they knocking it out of the park? Absolutely. Roman Reigns rules. Um, there's a bit of a, an illogical element to the storyline, but we'll just bypass it because it's WWE and I don't really care. Um, this is genuinely good, hook-driven episodic TV that's very well performed. I don't know how it ends. Like they've 
cracked a good goddamn storyline on this rubbish, otherwise rubbish TV show. It was very much, I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want his house burned to the ground. Oh, yes. More of this sort of Roman. Wonderful, wonderful stuff, that. And, yeah, genuinely making me excited to wake up tomorrow morning and watch Monday Night Raw, which speaks volumes. But it's good now. It's a good show now, as we've said. So there we go. Main event time. It's Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. This wasn't advertised when we previewed it, was it? No, and it's like, yeah, any other company. And I'm going to use the, the one that I usually use. Who's this? Got a phone call from London. Piss off, you cockney twat. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be some kind of <coughs> cold caller. They always call you from bloody yeah. London Dan Seffold. I heard you've been in a flipping accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always There's a bit of Barney rubble in the old motor. Piss off. So it's always these little sham outfits in London mm. trying to give you a ring. What? Sorry, what company do you work for? Steve's Big Car Accidents <laughs> Company. <laughs> You're a bit of bother. <laughs> I'll give you a right sort out. <laughs> oh, someone in the backhand, eh, did he? You got an accident and I'm up the dancers. What we're doing. All right. To use another comparison. Oh, here we go. Here we go. That's a WhatsApp. Ooh. I'm here now. Yeah, with the. That's right. I'm not going to read the content. It's like, but I'll tell you. Read, which read, one. If it is readable, reading in the tongue in your voice. So, who's this? It's, uh, I got a WhatsApp. Uh-huh. A huge scoop. Uh, okay, we got a scoop. From Andy Murray. Oh. Who says, I'm the day off, he's catching up on his wrestling. Hey. What's he saying? He's saying, uh, this is in speech markers. Okay. He's, he's just said two words in speech markers. It's <laughs> just says, man, cat moss. <laughs> <laughs> Timing. What a boy. Any other promotion, right, in the goddamn world. I'm not going to invoke Dave as the guide mm-hmm. because this is this is just anything. Common sense to a wrestling promotion. Two seconds. <laughs> Get in. I love it. He's allergic to bad booking. I am. Any other promotion, right? If they book a rematch from the main event of their biggest show of the year, they're probably going to say, Jesus Christ, guys, have we got a treat for you? It is the rematch from the main event of the biggest show we've put on this year, you'd think. Yes, that was great. That was epic. That was big time. I'd love to see that again. But I don't want to see it in two goddamn minutes. I want to get anticipated. Yeah. I want to get hyped up. They just do it like I was for your time. It's their policy, isn't it? Of just like, oh, more people care. Like make, make it seem like a big deal. You're a promoter, you stupid old bastard. Do they- you are a promoter. Your job is to promote. Do they not think that if on Raw... They'd have said, I know it's, you know, there's a more big, bigger audience for SmackDown, but regardless, if they'd have said on Raw, well, after the events of Extreme Rules, not only is Sasha Banks going to be at SmackDown this week, she's going to have a fight with Bianca Belair. They didn't do that. What they think instead, I think, is people are going to be sat there on Friday night going, right, you ready, love? Yeah, the taxi's booked. He's just, sorry, one second. Cancel the plans, because guess what? It's happening again. It's just a load of bollocks, but some, sometimes they're actually proven right with this policy. It's ridiculous. But I was thinking about you when this match so happened. So uh, Roman and Sasha avatars on Twitter, and they've got like the, the code zipped up, and it's because they're cold in the house because they've got no social lives, so they're not going to have anything to do anyway. 
So don't go out and touch grass. I was going to say, they can't walk through the garden because he ain't got no grass to touch. Um, <laughs> you ain't got a pot to piss in and he ain't got no grass to touch. <laughs> what was I going to say? I can't remember. It was, yeah. It, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I know it was VIP. I know you were going to pop all those bottles, but unfortunately, those pl- those real plans I was going to make, I have to put them on hold. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say. is because I was thinking about you during this, and I was thinking, wow, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. This is a match that Michael Sidgwick would describe as quite an impressive match because neither can afford to lose. And then I went, oh, yeah, that's why they've not promoted it because it's not going to have a finish. Yes. Let's find out. Let's go through the match and see. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say... There isn't a finish, or there isn't a finish with a, a clean finish. Yeah. That's what I'll say. So, uh, Becky Lynch comes out. She's on commentary. She gets quite het up during all this. They, they announce it's going to be a triple threat between the three women uh, at the Crown Jewel pay-per-view place. Uh, early on, there's a nice sort of mirroring of each other because Banks goes for a monkey flip. Belair lands on her feet, and then Belair lifts Banks up for a KOD and goes for it, but Banks lands on her feet, and then Belair just nails Banks with a clothesline as we go to a break. We come back, uh, Belair and Banks, they're fighting on the top turnbuckle. Banks pushes Belair off. Again, she lands on her feet, but then Banks hits her with the Meteora, which always looks brilliant uh, for a near fall. Belair fights back. She hits a vertical, delayed vertical suplex. She hits a handspring moonsault, gets a near fall off that. Uh, she recovers, uh, Banks does, and sends Belair's head into the turnbuckle. Always worries me, that spot. I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Banks Very hits nice the, of you. Yeah, well, I just, I don't like that spot that they keep going back to at the moment. I feel like, I get it, I know what you're going for here, and they used it initially, and it was like, oh, I'm not sure that's meant to happen or not, but more risk than reward for me now. Anyway, Banks hits a huge DDT, she gets a near fall, she does the frog splash for another close near fall. They're fighting on the apron, Belair goes for the KOD, but Banks slips out of it, uh, goes for a sunset bomb to the floor, but Belair blocks the move, backflips onto the floor, there's Becky Lynch. She stood up. They almost collide with each other. They get in each other's faces. Banks uh, gets slammed into the barricade by Belair. She throws her back in the ring, goes to get back in. Wouldn't you know it? Lynch interferes. She grabs Belair's hair. She holds her down. That allows Banks to recover and roll her up uh, using the momentum that Belair was trying to get back into the ring with to use to get the roll up there. One, two, three. Sasha Banks is victorious, but after the match, it doesn't even matter anyway because as soon as Banks stands up to celebrate, she gets nailed by Charlotte Flair, who then turns around and takes out Bianca Belair, and we see the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, and the SmackDown Women's Champion having a pose off. Uh, Becky Lynch standing on the announce table. Charlotte Flair stood in the ring. I mean, they've got a, an embarrassment of riches on this show now. What did you think of this match and how it closed out the show? The worst thing is I was really enjoying it. Like, they've got great chemistry. I adored their WrestleMania 37 match. I thought it was sensational, really emotional, really well worked. Yeah, for people who say that you just poo-poo anything WWE, I remember talking to you about this, and you couldn't have been more uh, complimentary. I loved it. Their chemistry is fantastic. There were certain moves here. Like, I think Sasha Banks is absolutely incredible. Um, Bianca Belair was right there with her, but Sasha Banks is the one. She's a star. Like... Just the layout of her match is always super dramatic, super creative. Like the little move she did, that was eventually when she aged on the air uh, flapjack. Like she gives her body to it. She sold the air, uh, the glam slam as well. Like mm-hmm. it was certain death was incoming. Like great at selling, great at putting spots together. And it never feels like a spot fest. It just feels like she's an incredibly creative worker who has several creative pathways to victory. 
and they were cut off time and time again by Bianca Belair, whose power game is just exquisite. I was really getting into it, and then they give you this finish. And sometimes they fool me into removing my husk from myself and thinking, I'll watch this earnestly. I will watch this with a decent amount of emotional investment, purely because I really like the people involved. And I really like both women here. And then I knew I wasn't going to get a finish, where, which ordinarily just... I don't know how people do it, but people will appraise WWE different to me, and everyone is different. And they will watch this and go, oh, a great match. Probably saw that finish coming, and it's a shame about it. I was really with them all the way up to that point. Usually I'm just like, well, I'm not going to finish. And nothing gets meaningfully advanced. Like, how can you emotionally invest? This was so good. And it wasn't that good, but I just really liked the women involved. So I had that, and I thought, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to get the finish. But some of the work's really exciting to get there. They don't want to beat anyone, and mm. it just makes for... Mostly meaningless rubbish. But I enjoyed this for what it was, for how long it lasted. And now, of course, someone mentioned this on the news this morning, the potential down the road, if things don't change, of a four-horsewomen match at WrestleMania. All of them on SmackDown. Obviously, Bailey injured at the moment, but if she recovers in time, all four of them are on SmackDown. That's what I would do. It's, it's, it's easy money. Can't wait until they screw that up. Yeah. Uh, can they coexist as two tag teams? Oh, that's what they'll do. Yeah. And then you'll think, oh, it's going to happen. They've actually managed to avoid doing it through the end of 2021 and didn't do it at the Rumble. You mean they're not going to fritter away? <laughs> Fast lane. Shout out to Brian Alvarez for that. It's one yeah. of our favorite bits. Like, <laughs> Alvarez is the boy. More respect should be part of his name. Frittered away. Frittered away. Oh, well, I think I had more fun reviewing this show than watching it, but Often still. do. Yeah, there we go. Let us know your thoughts on Friday night SmackDown and the first night of the WWE draft on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. Follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Wish Michael Hamflet get well soon as well, at Michael Hamflet on Twitter. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Michael Sidgwick back later on today to review AEW rampage and look ahead to Monday Narrow. But for now, this has been the Smackdown Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.